<laughs> You're listening to Duck Radio 107.3 FM, broadcasting in Leduc and online at radio.htr.net. Time for Duck Podcast, Episode 6, We're Nuts. Okay, so we're back um, doing a special live edition of the Duck Podcast. We're here back in HTR headquarters. Um, we've got our studio all set up. We've got lots to talk about. It's been quite a few months since we've done our last episode, and it's a bit unfortunate, but we have been very busy, and we've got lots to catch up on. So um, we're going to start off um, just telling us we've got Kevin here, and of course jo- your host Joel Adria. Well, we having Yuri join in, hopefully. Yeah, Yuri's on, to the end of the show. Yuri's on his way over. He might show up at any point, and we'll see if we can find him a mic. Um, <laughs> we're a bit short on mics and mic stands, so Kevin has his his mic taped to a tripod and it's pretty awesome so um okay so we'll just start off with some of the stuff that we've been up to um this december we've been uh working on a big uh, musical project at our school we've been putting on guys and dolls and that was a pretty pretty intense sound work uh we started off um i thought it was just gonna be a pretty basic sound effects thing and it ended up being about six or seven um, microphones, basically, like uh, headset microphones for all the actors and a huge band and a lot of mixing and a lot of work in that regard. So it was a bit it was a bit much, but we did do a fantastic job and there's some pretty cool media elements to all of it. And so, Kevin, why don't you tell us a little about what we did in terms of the uh the headset mics that we originally had and what we did and switched over to the to the new ones well originally we had those toa headset mics which was basically used by uh teachers at classrooms for like classroom applications and for presenters generally and those microphones aren't the best quality they're basically like geared towards uh speech spoken use. word and and uh just sort of presenting um as opposed to the actors singing and moving around and etc. And um, yeah, what we found was that we couldn't find anyone who actually sold the mics or rented the mics because we, we couldn't afford to buy them, obviously, um, that we needed for the production. So, Well, first of all, we... Hmm? Yeah, okay, well, first of all, we had a... Okay, for like the microphones were really big and they were really obvious. They were showing up. They were showing up on people's like the actors had to physically wear a headset, and uh, that was really intrusive. Like you, like it took up most of their f- face and they couldn't like take figure out how to say it. Second, the audio quality wasn't really good since it was first okay first being a speech microphone and not for vocals which. Which basically was our point of microphoning the actors in the musical, and they re- didn't really pick up people. We we either had them really close to the people, which you pick up picked up a lot of breathing and a lot of bad uh, distortion noises, and uh, or they were really quiet and then bumping it up would always result in feedback. So uh, on the last rehearsal day, yeah, it was the Sunday. Um Basically, we were going on on Tuesday. It was the first night, and it was a Sunday night, 
And we basically were just so frustrated over our minds. It was just driving us crazy. The actors hated them. We hated them. They didn't pick up anything. The music director couldn't hear anything. And we basically just sort of gave up. And, um, and so the musical director actually recommended um, a guy named Wade Staples. And we phoned him. It was a Sunday night at like 10 o'clock. And he got us a great deal on about seven or eight mics. Um, the proper mics, uh, and they're, and they're, these were really designed for, uh, well, they are designed, they're what pros use in, in the musical uh, industry, um, or the, the, the entertainment industry, and they, they basically are some very low-profile ones. You either go through the forehead or on the side of the cheek. Um, you barely see them. You tape them, and you uh, run them down their backs and have, they have packs that they attach around their waist and everything, and they're really designed for for that and we we couldn't find any but he had a set ready for us he came in monday morning we set it all up and we had them working great and it was really fantastic um so yeah i i think if for any of those people out there who are doing this sort of musical um type stuff um and really this is what wade told us and he's i think he's 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 dead on is that these these major companies that um, are there to provide sound. They're basically for, for bands or for presenters, you know, PA basic type stuff. Um, but they really don't understand the musical and theater aspect of, uh, of sound. Um, and so really, you know, you need someone who really understands that. And he, he definitely pro delivered on that. So it was, it, was, it was great. And the show went off without a hitch except for the last show. <laughs> We had set. We had six shows: um, Tuesday and then a Saturday, Tuesday to Saturday with a, a matinee and an evening show. The evening show, uh, we had a uh, little power outage. Kevin, will you tell us? Well, it was sort of a power dropout spike. Uh, it wasn't really a power outage, but all the electronic devices, like the lighting board, had to reboot because they're really sensitive to these kinds of power fluctuations. So basically, um, some high power load on the on the line, perhaps our projector sort of um, half tripped a circuit breaker. Basically, it was just right on the borderline to tripping the circuit breaker, so it was just disconnecting. And once it disconnected the load, everything just went to zero. So it immediately reconnected it before it actually had the chance to completely trip. So we had a momentary power failure, but that was enough to cause major yeah, disruption. It, it proved disastrous to quite a few things. Um, Basically, what happened is the stage went black, and it wasn't really supposed to happen. What we have is a is a um, a duplexer that allows us to connect our lighting spotlight controller as well as our main dimmer pack onto one control board, and the control board is battery backuped. Um, it's built in, so if it if it does go out, then the signal will still maintain the lights on. Everything was fine; would be fine, but. Obviously, this multiplexer did not, this duplexer, I should say. Um, and so it lost signal to the thing, to the, to the dimmers. Everything went black. And so the actors just kind of left stage, and we were all sort of left stumbling, wondering what the heck to do. So we just went into the next big queue, which was a video sort of interlude. Um, projection screen came down. And we were all ready to go. I hit play. I thought everything was fine. The sound effects were going, but nothing was showing up on screen. And so one of the things that we had developed um, just for this production was a um, 
a flap that covered the projector lens um, when it wasn't in use because yeah, projector black isn't really as black as stage black. Right, you video. Always, you would always have a, a semi-gray square being projected on curtains or whatever. Right. On the stage at the time. You know, video black is never um, true black in 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 general. There, of course, there's probably some plasmas out there that are perfect black, but um, really we would get this nice sort of bluish dark square. Um, and Yuri's just walking in here. Uh, this bluish, dark, blackish square all over the stage, and it really looked terrible in the in the blackouts. So we developed this flap. It was basically like a 12-volt motor and a piece of cardboard. And we well, basically... originally, okay, originally the motor was designed for use with vehicle windshield wipers, right? <laughs> so um, so it it's was perfect those, use. Right, so it was one of those gear motors, but then the gear motors give it, of course, it, you get more torque, but it works at a slow speed, unless you drive 48 volts into it, which is very bad for the motor. And we didn't need that much torque. It would smash a lot of things as it opened and closed, and we <laughs> didn't want that. So I removed it. It had direct drive. Okay, so the motor shaft was connected right... To a piece of siding, which served as a physical support, and then we had cardboard glued onto the siding. That worked brilliantly well, and we had duct tape just so the light would, wouldn't like burn through the cardboard. And we had a, a basic little switch, up-down switch, um, connected to a power supply, and it worked beautifully. Um, we really did it the very last minute because we weren't sure that we would have time, but it it, Kevin slapped it together, and it worked really fine. I kind of feel bad for whoever was sitting underneath the projector the entire show because it would, first of all, because the projector hums pretty loud when it's on. It's sort of like, Ugh, and, you know, the, this flap going up and down. But I think, for the most part, that seat remained empty for most of the shows. But uh, anyway, so that worked quite well. Anyway, so back to, back to the power outage story, or the power uh, flip. Um, I thought, that the project the the cover was was up and that we for whatever reason that that was the reason the video wasn't playing until it occurred to me that the projector was all on the same circuit so it was the projector was off we hadn't enabled um ac power back on um which was a feature that we for whatever reason was not on so it didn't power back up and so the audience just sort of sat through a very awkward flipping sound, and um, we and went we on from there. We faded out the, pro the projector sound effects, which, <laughs> which really made it really obvious that we, it was like... Yeah, we just sort of faded out, and the audience just sort of half-clapped and sort of felt bad for us, I think. Um, but lucky, luckily, uh, our first show that for Saturday was much, much better. Um, we had show that we had the critics coming in to right there. There's some. There's a neat program here. Um, well, it's actually going on everywhere. Uh, it's called the Cappies, and um, basically, student other high school students visit other high schools and review their plays and and the technical aspects of everything and and the actors, of course. Um, and so they saw the, a very good performance. I I'd say it was probably one of our our best performance of of the of the run. So it was really good. Um, we, we noted that we had these power problems earlier during the rehearsals, but we didn't. Yeah. Didn't, didn't really figure out like where the problem was coming from. Yeah, it, you know, we sh we could, probably could have done a bit more, but now we know, and we, and we installed the UPS on on some of those those yeah, devices. So all, the major, so all the vital equipment, the multiplexer, the lighting board, lighting board display, as well as a telephone system. Um, oh yeah, we should now talk a backup. About that. The telephone system is really important to organize things in the event of like events like that. Yeah, so that's some of the other stuff that we've been we've been working on is is um 
implementing a, a, a very comprehensive telephone system in our theater. Because um, the theater originally had a really old telephone system. However, right. uh, people using the phone always heard a really loud 60 hertz buzz, and uh, <laughs> that was due to the power supply. The capacitors were drying out, meaning that they were no, it sort of lost its ability to filter DC power. Right. Um, Kevin, your mic's a bit weak, I think, but uh, you might want to get a bit louder. Anyway, um, so yeah, we... we uh, set up a bunch of phone jacks. Um, originally, we were using this old VoIP box that sort of gave off of a good phone power. Um, but we were finding that at a certain point, once enough self uh, or non-self-powered phones, line-powered phones, had connected, um, you would just sort of drop off, and the signal, the pickup of the of the mic were, was poor, and the, and the headphone or the earpiece was poor. So we, we put in a computer power supply and everything ran very smoothly. We had about, we had two, no, we had yeah. ju just one one cordless phone that we had connected in and so people could wear headsets and, and we bought a headset adapter for one of the phones for the lighting uh, worker. So it, it went, it worked extremely well and we basically did it for around a hundred bucks in total for all the, all the equipment that we bought. Um, and so yeah, if, for the People who are out there, you know, and they're a bit, uh, have a little bit of knowledge in, in building telephone systems and, and whatever, you can go on the internet and really build a very good telephone system um, if you're not, if you don't have the budget, what most, most schools don't, for a full headset system um, like ClearCom or something like that. This is a, a very good um, alternative and it works quite well. So. Now, the reason why we picked a telephone, because it was the obvious choice for when we were trying to find a, a full duplex communication system. Right, right. Because uh, radio isn't exactly full duplex, nor is it very high quality. I mean, telephone isn't high quality, but for wired, it is very reliable. Right, so I mean, we, c we could have used walkie-talkies or whatever, um, but, you know, like you said, that we can ha we can talk and, and listen at the same time and we can hear lots of things and, and it especially help when we were building our cues that we could talk with the technical director who's in this in the audience uh in the in the seats and she doesn't have to yell the whole time so it's good yeah for those people interested in the technical aspect of this phones basically it was one of those party line systems we didn't really have any any uh complicated switching equipment we were basically going for we want more power more capacity versus uh the ability to call different lines right that would make the use of the system much more complicated here the party line can just pick up the phone and start talking yeah, so it wasn't switched or anything. Basically, you know, uh, sort of like in your house when you pick up the phone and you can have two people on the line or three people on the line at the same time, it was the same concept. You know, there just wasn't a dial tone. So, um, so we're just going to keep moving here. Uh, one of the other project we're working and still working on is is we are doing a bit of a documentary of uh, the entire production. So uh, you can look forward to that coming out at some point onto uh, it'll be on Facebook, but I'll probably release it on my website at some point. Um, so Kevin and I have been working on that. We've been shooting HD and HD high definition with his HD HDD cam, and uh, so that was a it was a lot of work, and it's going to be a lot of work to edit together. But I think it'll be it'll be worthwhile. Um, speaking of HD, <laughs> speaking of HD, um, why don't we work on? Yeah, why don't we do that first? Um, yeah. So basically, we we realized that high definition technology, especially is, for consumers, yeah. is still still it's very tough. much in the works like right it's nowhere near being completed so you know today well really i've just sort of been look, thinking about getting my own hd camcorder because uh kevin's i just found that kevin's interface uh, or Ke the the uh gz hdr hdr7 whatever gz hd7 by jvc right um 
that, basically, it was one of the pioneers with... Uh, right, and it still film. is. So they didn't really have any established methods to... Uh, to, to do anything. Video. So, be, so normally, as manufacturers usually do, they make up their own. They made up their own, you know, and 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 that's really as as this starts off, you know, they they're everybody's sort of doing their own thing, um, and so you know the interface was a bit bogey and and it wasn't that great, and so I was like, well, I'm going to go look and see if I can find something better, and there are some some bit better d solutions. Um, there's a lot of these AVCHD cameras, and we have talked about these in the past, um, but really it, what it comes down to, and I won't get in too much into this because we have t talked about this in other episodes, um, but it's three times the price of a standard definition camcorder. You need three times more computing power, so you need a, a, a very strong processor. Some of the processors out here there today, they, they still don't, like, if you get a brand new iMac, I can't imagine that it's processing this AVCHD really well or quickly. I'm sure, you know, people are talking on the, on the reviews of these cameras and, and the software. The, you know, Apple is always ahead of the game, and you can always... You can you always have that option of doing an HD, but it's not you know it will never be as fast as SD. It, it it is probably just three times slower, you know, to render all that and to capture all that, and it takes three times more more hard disk space on your hard drive. You need to be having those terabyte drives out to if you're going to shoot a lot of video. Um, the shoot we didn't do a lot of footage, but we did have about seventy five gigabytes of, of HD content for this documentary. So it was it was quite a bit. And so what do you get for that? Well, you get three times the quality, and that's great. But the th problem is distribution. You you have this great HD video, and it looks great on your computer. What are you going to do with it? Um, I, there's no way you can send it over the internet in full quality. Right, you're that gonna, would, uh, yeah. Like, uh, what are your options? Well, you could burn it to an HD DVD. Okay, who well, has an HD DVD no one has player. a player, let alone burner. I don't. Did, did they even have HD? No, no they don't. Blue there's no burners. burners at the, moment. the media, even if it this doesn't exist, you know, I'm sure the media is probably like twenty bucks a disc. Like, there's no way you're gonna be streaming on disc. So, what about the internet? Well, you can upload it. You'd have to, at the very most downscale it to 720p and that you can upload to some of the web services but really a lot of people's internet connections can't stream that in real time so you have to let it buffer quite a bit and i have tried doing a few 720p videos online and it's it's just it's not efficient um and people don't have that you know uh five five megabit next generation um bandwidth bandwidth so you can't really oh, no, distribute way more than five megabits to be streaming hd something around well in flash it's not bad i think you would you would make it by with five megabits but you know 10 megabits at least if you're going to do full 1920 by 1080 i mean you, oh, absolutely at least so i mean really the internet isn't a, isn't a great means of distribution so you're gonna be downscaling anyway and i know that you know if you when if you do downscale you're still maintaining that crispness that the original footage had but the the way I look at it, you can probably shoot in very nice SD with a good camera um, for, you know, you can get a, a consumer HD for 2000 bucks, or you can get a pro SD for 2000 bucks, And with that, you can, you can go pro and, and really appreciate that. And you can edit very quickly because your computer isn't waiting for that HD to render and it's reliable. It works with all the software packages. You can export, you can send it to YouTube and it'll look fantastic. So really, Joel's decision is SD for now. 
and I'm sure that they'll develop. And, yeah, basically, what I've been saying, repeating all along, is that I SD has been 30 years right, or more in been... the making, so it's pretty, pretty well developed at the moment. And HD is really new. I mean, I I also think that HD will take over the world at some point. Oh, in definitely, the future, but without like, a doubt, without a doubt. It's not there yet now. Right, and um, and so. Oh, and the other thing was that what I was really finding with the HD cameras, and I'm pretty sure it's the case with all of them, is that the the low-light performance is just, it's terrible. Um, there, a lot of times we were shooting in the theater, which isn't always that well lit. Um, and, and, of course, other times when we had full lights on, it was great. But, um, you know, if you're backstage and it's dark, you can see stuff, and there is light, but there's just no it it picks up nothing it's totally black and even with if if there is stuff it doesn't focus very well and we i guess it's it's been an issue in terms of hd because you're you're absorbing all those pixels and there's not enough gain for each pixel and blah 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 um so you know that is another issue and so you can go sd and have you know good low light performance and, and um, that's why most of the network TV stations, like when they have broadcast content, it's, it's usually in well-lit locations such as being outdoors or being in a, in a really well-lit studio. Lit studio. Yeah. But like when they have things like going out in the field in other countries or anything, like they usually don't send a high-definition cameras. They just have the good tried, tried and true DVC Pro right. units out there. Yeah, and and so, you know, in terms of our recommendation, I think if you're interested in video editing. Um, and you're going to spend $2,000 on that new SDHC, AVC HD, uh, you know, camera. Um, it's great. The quality is going to be great. Um, but it's just not quite there yet in terms of, uh, of, of just ability to, to distribute easily and, and edit easily. It, it's really not designed for edit. It's for, um, you know, Showing on your HD TV, you know, unedited sort of raw footage, and and, and if and you want to do that, what, that's what great. What the manufacturers want you to do is they, they they don't want you to edit it. They just you, they just want you to just play it right back from the camera. They, that, that's you know, like they the, think the you're you're from the '90s and you just want to play it back. You know, like somehow. But you know, for us that who like to edit things together into a tight package and post on YouTube, you know, you want to stick to SD. So um, that's what that's our HD realizations for um, for today. Actually, that's what I really sort of figured things out. We're just getting pie here together. Um, Yuri's here. Who's Yuri's here. Say, hey? say hi, Yuri. Uh, hello. Right now, I am learning about and struggling with MySQL permissions. Good to know, Yuri. <laughs> uh, yeah, the issue seems to be right now that our production site, for whatever reason, um, is mapping the database server to some which is remote to something local for no reason and yeah i don't know yeah they're working on uh the harry and lee athletics project athletics website. project website and they have been forced to use the school's hosting service which is just fantastic mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah yes htr.net resolves to ws 015.zabco.net so that's preposterous um of course htr.net check it out htr.net there's nothing there but that's okay yeah we'll be getting so. some content up in the future <laughs> <laughs> so um audio equipment um we've Ooh. been well kevin's been well we've all been um rounding up lots of audio equipment we bought um a great 16.4 that's 16 inputs for return slash outputs uh snake 100 foot to go from the booth to the stage at our theater, um, which has been pretty good. Um, 
probably overkill, <laughs> I'd say. We probably could have lived with a, a... Well, actually, no, we did use seven channels. Oh, we used six, seven channels. We did use quite a few channels, but probably 10 would have been enough. But we've got 16, and we're, we're really loving it. It's really convenient. Don't have to run as, as many cables anymore. We still did run a few for for some of the other sides of the stage. Well, the thing is, like here, when you run the SNCC, you have all the channels running in the SNCC. You don't have to worry about running individual cables when, every time you need it because that, that gets to be a pain every time if you need to get something up in, like, you know, 10 minutes yeah, or something. Yeah, it's definitely a convenience. And, and for one, we do... I haven't been to, We haven't been doing too many bands or anything like that, but I think if we do ever bring in bands and stuff like that, it'll be very convenient for sending all those signals up. Um... So yeah, we bought bought that for the theater. What else did we buy? We bought oh, we got um, some uh, Samson CO2 mics. I haven't gotten a chance to really test them out, but we did get them. Actually, it's a C02. Yeah, C02. I just said CO2 as in like blah blah blah. Um, and Kevin um, went on a big audio purchasing spree. Uh, he's been. We've all been sort of reading up on audio specs, and we we got to meet some pros in, in the industry and and kevin kevin bought a mackie 1402 vlz3 and so and as well as a sure pg48 which i'm using at this very moment um we're of course we're doing this live in in hdr hq so we're not using the m audio or anything like that but um uh this is the pg48 so its price sounds pretty good and kevin's using some old crappy mic i don't know where he got it from but <laughs> The dollars, classic dollar store mic. Yep. Um, so, but he still sounds pretty good. Anyway, so Kevin, while you give us a review of of uh, the the VLZ3, um, and just kind of give us an idea of why you love Mike Mackie so much and what you've learned about this mixer. Okay. Well, first off, the fourteen oh two is a is a six microphone channel and then a four stereo channel. That's eight. So you have uh, eight plus six, fourteen channel, and then uh, has two stereo returns. And uh, basically, those are useful if you have like if you're trying to get input from other boards, trying to chain them all together, so you can use them all at the same time. And uh, basically, it has uh, lots of monitoring channels, monitor lots of uh, the ability to monitor things. The board can technically run two feeds at the same time. It has the main mix and it has the alternate mix, which uh, as soon as you send something to mute channels it automatically becomes alternate and uh you can use those just like the main channel but like it's on a separate channel so yeah. basically you can run two feeds on this thing and one of the things i love about it is the ability to monitor things on some other boards i've used like the <laughs> yorkville uh, ap818 <laughs> right that has one monitor channel and the monitor is always pre-fader which means that once you turn something down on main you keep listening to it which can be useful in certain situations but, but most of the time is just plain time, annoying you just want to see what's going out and that's really annoying yeah one of the, we have a yorkville ap818 at school uh, a lot of times yeah we'll we'll be playing something back we'll playing music we want to fade it out and the monitors were still on and so the monitors are still on backstage you can still hear it um, the other huge, huge downside of that um, is that the mixer um, only has that one channel. So when you're monitoring, if you don't need to listen on the headphones, your only option is to feed something through the monitor. And if you have that mix going to monitors backstage, you really just, you know, you can't use the headphone monitoring at all. And it's just completely useless. You can't monitor any headphone or any channels at all. Um, Really not a great mixer. It just doesn't have the complete feature set um, that some of these Mackie mixers have. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Um, the second thing is the VLZ series mixers have been legendary for one having solid build construction, and second, having really really clean microphone preamps, and they can handle really low level signals, and they can boost them up really to like proper levels without introducing too much noise. As well, they can handle really really hot signals up to plus 22 dBV which is uh, also useful because then you can interface with a total variety of, of devices. Um, I w would have enjoyed having more microphone channels, but then the stereo channels are also useful because when you work with like things like here on the dock radio, you have to work with like a lot of audio sources audio like sources. Uh, computers and, and iPods and all that. And the 1402 is a step up from the 1202, obviously, from with faders mainly, but also for the stereo channels, there's the ability to use plus four, which is the pro line input, and minus ten, which is what consumer equipment uses. Um, there is tape input, which um, oddly enough must be sent through the the monitoring channel, which is somewhat annoying, but just get some RCA to quarter inch adapters and you're set. Yeah. This one. Um, another thing I love about it is that it has a ton of outputs you can have like if you need to send outputs everywhere you there's you can use tape out which is rca main out which is trs can be balanced or balanced or you can use xlr which can be plus four line or microphone level so if you need to send signals everywhere and split them up this is the device to use it and of course mackies are really high headroom devices which means that the internal voltage is really good so they ha it has a really good power supply and basically um no wall warts. That too. <laughs> Kevin has freakouts about wall warts. He drives him nuts. Well, those of course, those. when you're using power strips, <laughs> those are those little. You totally <laughs> waste like three or more. Yeah, plugs. we we've been we've had a uh, we've had also you know basically if you have anything um, like a lot of audio equipment you know uses these little AC adapters and they're big big cubes that you plug in and it takes up like three of your plugs or your entire wall jack or whatever. And, you know, you can't plug anything else on. So it's been a real pain, and, and you know, you have to f be strategic in how you place them. But, you know, the great thing about this Mackie mixer is it's all built in, um, and all you need is a standard IC power plug that you can plug in anywhere. Yeah, IC power plug, that is. Yeah. Which you can just use for finding on computers and stuff. Yeah, so he just sort of leaves them around wherever he leaves. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, so it's been really great. And, One uh, of the things I would love to have is a sweepable mid. I mean, it's not that important because th these are musically um, correct equalizers, which is 12 kilohertz, 2.5 kilohertz, and 80 hertz. But uh, for things like speech, you would like to have a sweepable mid. Right, and and equalizer. you know that's one downside. But I mean, it is a very com it's a compact mixer. It's not it's not designed for sort of everywhere. Yeah, and that's land. another one of the reasons. Like uh, you could get the sixteen oh four or whatever that was, and it's a sixteen channel. And it has much much more features. It has subgrouping. It has auxiliary channels. Right, and it's and only a two hundred dollars difference. But it's that's it's quite much, a bit bulkier. Quite a bit and bulkier. It sort of reduces the portability of it all. So um, it's been it's a good mixer. We've been using it for quite a bit, and we we actually used it to mix all of the mics, and then we sent that main that sub mix up to the mix main mixer so that because Kevin needed to be able to solo those mics and and, and be, really be able to work with so those. It's really hard to so. work without being able to monitor yeah, microphones. Definitely, definitely. So um, how much did you pay for this? This was about a. Uh, Four forty nine dollars Canadian. Yeah, and which I, is uh, it was they was they just had a price drop recently. Yeah, par with the U.S. So around four hundred fifty bucks. Great little machine if you're looking at doing some basic mixing, home studio, whatever. 
um, really, really great mixer for whatever you need to do. Okay, so uh, and so I was just going to mention the Shure PG48. Uh, of course, we all know about the SM58 that Shure makes. Uh, it's a very reliable mic and dyna dynamic mic, of course. Mm -hmm. um, the PG series stands for performance gear, and it's one of those more budget lines of right. microphones. Right, budget line. How much was it? It was a it's about $30. 30 bucks. Sounds great. Solid build. Um, it's like it's metal. It's not plastic or anything like that. Um, there is a switch on it, and uh, it comes with an XLR cable. And if you just need to do some basic miking, um, I'm sure this would fit your needs. We've been using it, and we've been loving it. So, thirty bucks. If you're not gonna, if you don't have a hundred bucks to spend on a PG40 uh, uh, SM58, then the PG48 might be for you. Okay, so we're just gonna move on. We're gonna move a bit quickly because we have wrap up pretty soon here but um so a few little projects that we've been working on lately is the uh kevin we at our school uh they always are getting rid of stuff um they're always getting rid of old computers that are shipping off to the land of who knows and so i recently acquired a powerbook 5300 in that pile right and they, they're purging all the macs it's quite sad <laughs> okay yeah anyway so um originally the power plug had a c the connector just broke off. So um, to me, that's a really easy fix. To other people, it's not worth the effort. So I'm just like, right, solder this, shrink wrap, everything's good. Then you think, okay, that's that's a nice Mac, and then uh, it has a hard drive, right? But these hard drives, they're gonna fail at some point, right? Macs, and this is and they're slow. Rare. These are one, of the, yeah, for old hard drives are really slow. It's, it was actually an IBM hard drive. It's sort of weird to see IBM hardware in an Apple right, computer. And, and they're loud. And these these hard drives, you know, there's no fancy like, uh, you know, drop protection or anything like that that you find in the new laptops. So you know, really, you sort of you don't really store any data like that on there. And of course, back like back then, the the storage space is 100 megabytes, not substantial. Yeah, like definitely not much. So, well, the 55300, it wouldn't be, like, my main computer, but it's a nice computer to, to experiment with. These are one of the, Mac, the PowerBooks, which actually had uh, PCMCA slots. Right. And uh, Apple, being awesome. electric eject for everything, like, they've <laughs> been using auto-eject for other floppy drives for the years, floppies, right? CD-ROM drives today, and... So, they took the, the auto-eject idea to... PCMCIA. The, the slot, <laughs> and uh, basically... You hit, you push the button. And so normally on your laptop, if you want to eject your card, you have to push a really, really long stick that will eject the card. Yeah, However, usually that you either have to eject, you have to eject the button that ejects the card. It's ridiculous. Or some of the some of the Dell or some of the other laptops that you shove it in and it folds in and blah blah blah. And there's all these games. But generally, it's just a terrible. It's not a great experience to be ejecting your PCMCIA card. And so Apple decided to do it the Apple way. And so there is an eject, power eject button. And you hit this little key on this beside the card and it jumps out. It's awesome. Um, if you ever, I'm pretty sure there's some videos on, is there some videos online? I don't know. I made a video. Oh yeah, we, we have a video and maybe we'll post it in the show notes or something like that. Probably not, but who knows. Well, basically, originally, the one of the uses for the for the PCMCA cards was actually they expected them to be using them for flash storage. Now, back then, flash storage wasn't the thing. No one practically no one knew about it, and it was only for niche things like just to shove files around, like anything that you need bigger than a floppy. But um, so if basically, if you drag them into the trash, it would work in the normal Apple fashion. It would it would pop up. But the interesting thing is, this works when it laptop is off 
<laughs> so I'm like, okay, wait. Apples can boot off multiple devices, right? You can you can boot off hard drives. You can boot off SCSI, external SCSI. Especially especially in the System Seven, um, in sort of the classic era, you basically just had a system folder that was so-called blessed, um, and so it was basically you could drag that system folder onto a floppy, onto a hard drive, onto a SCSI drive, a zip disk, whatever. Um, as long as your Mac could boot from it, which it usually could, it could find the system folder and boot up from there, um, which really made it great for installation and simplicity and everything. So, so I have this PCMCIA. Well, this is the like card reader adapter. It can read about six kinds of cards. And... Uh, well, I was just curious because I know card reader adapters are the lowest form of uh, PCMCA. It doesn't require any kind of drivers or anything. It's one. It's sort of you could say it's one of the profiles in PCMCA. Right. So I just put it into my Mac, and I was just expecting it to like blow up and tell me that something has exploded. But no, it just like mounted Pops it up right the onto SD the desktop, disc. and it actually had the logo right exactly like yeah. As so the card. basically, there's an SD card in this PCMCA card reader. It's in the Mac, and it's right there. We could write files to it. It was it was good to go. Um, so I got the brilliant so... idea. Look, why not copy the entire hard drive over? So I did that. I copied the whole hard drive over. System folder. And, uh, it's blessed. And, yeah, rebooted the system. It boot, booted right from the SD card automatically. Automatically. And you could tell because the hard drive wasn't clunking anymore. So everything went well. It was actually much, much faster than, than how it would have functioned if you... Um, if you were using a hard drive, because uh, once again, those are slow. Right. So you've got this entire system on this one gig SD card. You can take it out. When you're done, you shut down the system. It's solid state. There's no moving parts in the whole thing. It's perfectly quiet. You might get a bit of hum from the backlit LCD or something, like who knows. But really, it's just dead quiet. Um, and you can huck that one gig SD card on your other reader or whatever and throw it in your other computer. And so if you just need a quick laptop to to bring around, it's it's fairly compact. That's what I really like about it. It has a nice keyboard. It's the weight of a MacBook. <laughs> it, yeah, it's I think it's about it's about five point you know, five pounds or whatever. Which, we'll is, which was very good at the time. And so you can write your documents, write your Word documents, type something up and transfer it over to your Mac or, or whatever. So well, the, really the neat. SD card really makes it easy to transfer data from between modern and right. old platforms. If you yeah. want to download something from like a Mac archive site, you want to bring it on there. Now your your modern computer is not going to have a floppy disk drive. Never mind like see, seeing if it has the ability to read and write onto like the the Mac file format that I used back then. SD still a still a common format today, so you can just put it into your nearest USB card reader. And off you go. It just bounced on your com new computer just like it did on your old. Yeah, so it's pretty neat. If you have an old classic Mac, you might want to pull it out or try try what you can do with it with uh, SD cards, maybe over USB or whatever. It's yeah, pretty the PowerBook 5300s, it was the first PowerPC Mac. Now, back then, PowerPC was, still wasn't running that hot. So there, it's when we say completely silent, we, completely silent, we mean completely silent. There are no fans to talk about right. in this thing. So, so um, pretty cool. Actually, another one of those weird facts about the 5300, it was Apple's one of Apple's first experiments with lithium-ion. <laughs> and uh, first experiments with lithium-ion, um, not good. I mean, so the first machines were known to catch fire and everything. And just to say that, like, battery explosions weren't a phenomenon that invented, like, last year. It's been, it's something that's common if it, if they didn't know how to use it. And so basically they went back to the tried-and-true technology, nickel metal hydride. So it's got a good good battery, and I think you refurbished the battery, did you? 
No, not yet. Actually, it works fine on. It works more or less fine. Yeah, it goes for the... about half hour or whatever. So, anyway, decent stuff. Good stuff. Pretty good for a free computer that we found in the back, of, in the pile of joy we call it, um, behind the welding room. So it was pretty good. Uh, next topic. Um, so I'm gonna just talk about a little bit about my Joel's Notepad system. Um, I've been using my Dell Axum X51V for quite a while, and it was driving me crazy because the uh, you know basically I'm a very sort of efficiency obsessed person. I run Quicksilver on my Mac. I need to launch things immediately. Things need to open quickly. Um, you know, I use my Mac. One of the main reasons I got a Mac was that it needs to wake up from sleep immediately and be ready to go at any moment. I just, I'm a very much efficiency person. And when I have a thought or whatever, it needs to be written down. And so, um, it just wasn't working for my, my pocket PC. I, I'd hit open notes. I'd write something. It would probably smear because I'd be touching the touch screen. And then I have this note that I can't, that I never review because it would sort of just sit there and then I wouldn't look at it or it'd be named something like note1.awd and then I'd have like 20 of them so it'd be like note25.awd and then I would have not, who knows what I'd be able to do with this. I, you know, I was just getting sick of it. And so what I came up with is I carry this Dell notepad. <laughs> my dad went to a conference and so he has this, this Dell notepad. I keep it in my pocket at all times. I have it right now. And I got this collapsible pen that I got at Staples, which I'm on my second one because it kind of got wrecked. I might have to look into different models. but um, And so I write down my schedule for the day in the morning or in the night before and review stuff. And it's great. I can write down notes. I have my combination for this lock in the theater right here. Um, you know, people, I like to doodle. So when I'm really bored, I can draw stuff. Um People have written me notes on here. When I need a pen, I have it always because it's attached to the notepad. And, of course, your main advantage is that it never runs out of battery. It never, it never runs crashes. out of battery, and it never crashes. So I'm not saying I invented anything here, um, but for all those of you who are just obsessed with you know PDAs and blah, 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 and keep my schedule on the cell phone, I still keep my, my entire calendar in iCal because... You know, I, and that was part of the reason was I wanted to try, really get into the leopard calendar and all that, all those features. Um, did we even do a le review of leopard? Perhaps. No, I don't think we did. Well, anyway, we won't get into that today. Um, but so, you know, tasks, blah, blah, blah. You know, writing it down is really great. Um and it's it's a great way of capturing information and really getting things done. So if you want to get more tips, one of the, one of the places that I really got inspired to sort of start doing this is a place called 43folders.com. Um, his name's Merlin Mann, who sort of manages the whole thing, and and he's really sort of a productivity genius um, to a certain extent. Um, it's it's not for everybody. I understand that you know a lot of people aren't sort of obsessed with organization or, or being efficiency optimized or you know blah 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 but i really enjoy that so if you if you are a pda nerd then you might want to look out the hipster pda is what he calls it. it's basically just index cards and i use a notepad but you know it's pretty cool just writing down stuff so um so going on that and um so just the last thing for the day a little quick fun thing i'm over at kevin's house today uh it's just the start of christmas holidays and 
Kevin is giving me his old multifunction printer fax copier scanner, which is making me very happy. I've never had a scanner in my entire life, so it's pretty exciting for me because... In fact, you got his radio scanner first. Yeah, I got a radio scanner before I got an optical scanner, so um, making me pretty happy. I'll be scanning all my documents in my room tonight, and my mom will be like, what are you doing, Joel? What are you doing? And my mom will probably freak out when she's like, what the heck is that giant box that you're bringing home? But um, it's making me happy, so... Uh, early Christmas present from Kevin, I guess. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Yuri's still here. He's not dead. He's just uh, coding away on the athletic site in Coda, which he loves. Do you have anything to say about Coda? Um, it's very, very nice. Uh, it's regular expression support could be better, but um, I think that's just because it has multiple regular expression engines, and I can never decide between them. Um, I really like the uh, tag completion feature, which as soon as I discovered was just amazing. Command option dot. Yes. And, uh, yeah, I really love publishing and, you know, whenever I'm on like a Windows computer and I have to develop, just drives me nuts to have to go through all the directories and, and click individually. Yeah. Um, um, I really it- like one thing is how friendly and receptive their support staff are. <laughs> The uh, the answer is always very quick, and they really listen to users about uh, when you ask features, features yeah. or how to do something. Yeah. Yuri hasn't actually bought in Coda. I have, <laughs> but... I will eventually. <laughs> he will eventually, whatever. Um, it is a great product. I'm just going to mention... It basically is an entire site management editing and viewing, previewing editor application. has... Um, Command one, it lets you see all your sites, um, and you can manage multiple sites, and it gives you a nice little thumbnail preview. You can double-click on them. Two is... Editing. No, that's three, isn't it? No, two is editing. Oh, two is editing. Three is preview. Four, Four is a CSS, CSS editor, editor, which is actually very good. Like, it's, it's it, top-notch. Yes, it organizes everything very clearly. You can um, see all your classes and, you and what color they are. Color. You can It has a color display widget. Which is very, very nice. It's it's really nice. You can get the hex codes off, you know, the Mac OS ten color selector. It's just it's fantastic. Some of the like things like CSS edit, um, I've tried before, CSS edit two. Um, really all of that functionality is right in there in Coda, which really you know, helps me a lot because I'm not a super CSS genius, but um, um and then command five is eternal. So you can um, uh, if you need to SSH into or Telnet or whatever you do into your server, you can do that easily to edit config files, blah, blah, blah. It That's also real. allows you to use local shells. So Yeah, if you need to connect locally to your computer, if you like to do crazy grip stuff or bash stuff or whatever on your computer locally, you can do that. Um, and so that's really... It really is, is It's all in one window, and you can have tabs. And, and the, of course, it manages all your files. It's beyond me how they, it still manages. Like it does it so elegantly. You save a file. You keep a local mirror, obviously. Um, you save a file. It detects it. You hit Control-Command-P, and it, publish, it gives you a list of the files it's going to upload, and then it just publishes it. It's simple as that, so you can really just be... Working on your local copy and the and the remote copy just very seamlessly. It's really great. A few other nice features are um, books. It has a number of reference books included yeah. within it. Um, now PHP Manual, I prefer to just use the direct site, but there are some other ones which I believe otherwise would cost money. Um, another really amazing 
feature once you get into it is uh, clips. It clips, comes yeah. built in with a bunch of useful clips like lorem ipsum text and doc types, whatever, and you can insert your own and you can do it globally or per site. Um, so you could put like an XHTML 1.1 skeleton just of the HTML and body elements and uh, really, it even allows really you to use uh, something called tab triggers whereby you uh, you type a short piece of text, so um, I could call it, for example, body scale. I would type that and then press tab, and it'll replace that uh, with the with the clip. With the text. Yes. And all so that. again, once you start really using neat. Coda, it just becomes second nature, and just everything is just automatic. Um, it even allows you to put uh, text selection points in your clip, so you could highlight something, click your clip and surround it with your text. Right. Okay, so um, well, that's... that's our software pick of the week. Yeah, that's the pick of the week for Mac, and, um, uh, for well, PC. Basically, I think Coda is like what Dreamweaver really should have been. Yeah, and of course it's a Mac app and really great uh, and just does a really good job. Did you just fade me out? <laughs> No, I'm faded your own. Okay, um, so that's about everything for this week. That's it. Oh, just mentioned that Coda from Panic Software. You can panic.com. You can go and download it. About $79 if you have Transmit or about $99 if you don't have Transmit already. Um, okay, so that's Duck Podcast for this week. I'm Joel Adria for um, joel.ca, J-O-L-E.ca. Mm-hmm. I'm Kevin Lau from HDR. And I am alleged to be Yuri DeLange, also from HDR. And this is the Duck Podcast. Mm -hmm. Duck. Yeah.